I agree. I'm going to I'm going to slightly disagree with you on the idea. So which is it? Are you no. going to agree or are you going to slightly disagree? <laughs> I'm going to slightly disagree. <laughs> you said I agree with you, I, but I'm going to slightly I, disagree. Yeah. I have <laughs> okay. no problem. I have no see I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure your point, but I'll continue. <laughs> I think Welcome to the first show of season two of Wait, What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee, the podcast that takes a unique look at the business of sports, sometimes irreverent, sometimes cynical, and sometimes even serious. I'm your co-host, David Paro. And I'm Tim McGee. So, Tim, I hope you had a great holiday. Um, it's hard to believe that this is our 50th overall episode. Of course, it's just like us to go into this recording, not having decided if we'll call this episode 50 or season two, episode one, but hopefully before we publish this tonight, we uh, will have made that decision. So first show of the season, of course, means that we'll be making some predictions to close the show. But first we have to get to a lot of big things happening. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Tim, and say, what's on your mind? Well, let's start with the most recent thing. Primarily because my memory is shot. I don't remember what happened a few weeks ago since our last episode. But, <laughs> That's right. Uh, we sit here today uh, looking at a dynasty in the making, University of Georgia, just absolutely dismantling TCU last night in the biggest blowout, not only in college football playoffs history, but in bowl game history. Yeah, incredible. 65 to 7. Um. If you're ESPN, you're probably going to make some make goods on people who had ads in the second half. Yeah. What do you think? I think so, especially the people that they had to sell on going into the second half, you know, with the idea that the history has been that these games tend to be pretty, uh, pretty watchable. Uh, this one just clearly wasn't. So uh, we have not seen the numbers yet. We have to think the drop off. I, I, you know, I was, I kept pulling myself away. Like I'm going, okay, this is no reason for me to stay up and continue to watch this. But I felt the pull of going. It's the college national championship. And uh, uh, I felt a need to stay on. And, uh, you know, I did uh, I did want to kind of hear the interviews after and so forth. But um, yeah, it was just an, it was an absolute blowout. Uh, obviously, a big amount of the talk is going to be should Alabama have been in with their two loss season. Uh, we had talked about or we had credited uh, the committee on keeping TCU in after their Big 12 championship loss to Kansas State. Uh, I still think it was the right thing to do. Um, but, yeah, it, they, they, they two teams did not belong on the same field together um, at all. And uh, I'm sure that everyone wishes that they had announced that the 12-team, your expansion to 12-team would happen uh, prior to the 24-25 uh, season. So, so if you're sitting in Columbus, you're thinking, wow, but for that shanked field goal at the end, we should have been there. And if you're sitting in Ann Arbor, you're like, how did we lose to them? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think that one, that one is definitely tough. And there were some controversial uh, plays on that in that game. Uh, I think Georgia probably had a bit of an off game and they obviously got that out of their system. But I mean, they were playing Ohio State. It's not like you didn't expect that to be a good game. I mean, two of the massive powerhouses. Uh, yeah, and and that's what people are saying is is dynasty now. Two times in a row will be the only 
team to have gone back to back um, during the uh, four team college football playoff uh, era. Uh, does that alone say dynasty? I don't know. They certainly have a recruiting class uh, that suggests they uh, can continue it. They don't seem to have people jumping in the portal. They lose a lot of people to the NFL. Boy, um, yeah, the uh, that <laughs> you know the, the post game. Um, I'm declaring for the NFL draft is sort of the college version of I'm going to Disney World, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but you know reloading and uh, it looks like they're going to be able to reload pretty well given that recruiting class, as you said. Yeah. The, I mean, it, the performance was just it, it was really really impressive. I mean, the closest game that I think any of us could think of in recent history was Alabama's blowout of Notre Dame, but this. This took that to a whole new level. I will say this. TCU fans showed up. I have a new friend and colleague uh, at, uh, you know, with my new company, uh, MoneyGram, that uh, it went to TCU, and he was so excited to be going to L.A. So, um, Ryan, I'm sorry that you had to sit through that, but um, I hope you had a good time. Um, uh, but it, it had to be, in some respects, tough to watch. But, they, you know, their fans showed up. I mean, for a small school uh, in a power five conference, they, uh, uh, they showed up. We know that the commissioner, um, Brett Yormark was in town and, you know, things have been going pretty positively for the conference, uh, since he joined. And I know there was a lot of excitement about having one of their teams in the, in the championship game, but, uh, that had to be a letdown for everybody. Yeah. But it, uh, you know, it, I don't want to say it doesn't diminish, diminish TCU season because it clearly does, but it, you know, there were, there were four, very good teams going into this and only one of them was the sec so maybe they're letting go of their stranglehold at least top to bottom right there's there's other conferences and other schools that can compete with them right it's very hard to say that anybody can compete with georgia at least at this moment right but i don't think anybody watching that game for a minute was thinking that alabama wouldn't have given them a better game and you know that certainly Nick Saban wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you didn't get in. <laughs> I, I agree, and there are more. There are more factors than that. But the idea is supposed to have the four best teams, but that's what makes it tough when it's only. So, four by teams. that argument, does Kansas State, you know, have a a claim? You know what I mean? It's not really, but no, but you. I'm not disagreeing with it. I still stand by the fact that we've supported the idea that TCU deserved to be in that in that in the playoffs and they won the game again there was some controversy in that Michigan game but they won it mm -hmm. uh, and they went in I listen I I picked Georgia I think we both had Georgia yep. uh, pick to win the game I, I didn't think it was going to be that bad yeah and so. even even after even after because um, I think it was 10 nothing and then TCU scored made it 10-7 I said this the one thing this team won't do is quit and I don't think they quit no, no. Their, their asses handed to them. No, they ran into a buzzsaw. Yeah. Listen, and I'm I'm not saying you are guilty of this, but I, I one thing I don't like is the use of the associative property in sports, right? You know, by by that by that methodology, we could probably get Cornell playing Wake yeah. Forest in a national oh, no. championship what game. Are you, what are you talking about? It. We're, <laughs> I, I, I'm guilty of it when it suits my uh, when it suits my purpose. It's it's one of the really fun things to do. I feel bad for uh, ESPN in a way. I was I was so so on the uh, on the overall broadcast and the lead in show. One little tidbit on that: the legendary composer 
John Williams composed a new anthem, so a piece of sonic branding. I'm a big fan of sonic branding, by the way. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. And uh, John Williams is one of the, you know, certainly one of the greats and has scored, you know, Jaws and Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star oh, Wars. And he's, on, he's on. legendary. I don't think he was the right choice for this. I, I watched the piece in the segment and they, they did a decent job with bringing back a number of other players that played in championship games and, and, and were big stars in the college space. But this, but I didn't feel a connection to what they were trying to do. It just seemed like a big orchestra orchestra piece that was kind of you know behind this video. And I wasn't getting the I wasn't getting the audio brand linkage to college football. It just didn't scream out to me. Like I said, you know, you know, our show has a has a has a theme song that that we feel fits really well. Um, uh, this I don't know. I mean, it was well, it was cool seeing John Williams, but. Yeah, well, you know, the, the the music was originally intended for a Harrison Ford movie that was never made, um, called "Search for a First Down," um, which fit in with the the TCU theme for the night, because uh, after that first <laughs> touchdown, they were looking for that. I would have gone with Elmer Bernstein. Um, why? Uh, one, I love his name, and number two, he has experience in the college space, having scored the seminal comedy hit Animal House, right? Right. He wrote the Favor College alma mater. So he has experience in, in collegiate milieu. If you yeah. Will. Yeah, it was just a, it was just an interesting. I mean, I, I felt like I was listening to another John Williams great, you know, movie score that kind of sat behind action footage, mm -hmm. which I guess that's what he was going for, but didn't seem to uh, I thought there I thought there were some, you know, this is a this is a game played by by young men um followed by by people of all ages including a lot of uh younger current students just felt like it missed the mark a little on on what they were trying to connect with but i'm, yeah. I'm sure they're a pretty subjective thing there but they tried they tried yeah. to up up the uh the game yep. something else happened that um while we were while we were off which um much more serious and certainly something that, thankfully, none of us had really experienced. I, I got a text a week ago, Monday night. Uh, are you are you watching what's going on in the Monday night football game? And I and I was not. And I turned over uh, shortly after Demar Hamlin had been carted off the field in an ambulance. Um, and as we sit here today, eight days out, he is back in Buffalo. Uh, beginning his physical and occupational therapy. I'm sure he's had some atrophy of, in his muscles, but it looks like he is on the path to a full recovery after uh, going into cardiac arrest during that game. But, um, you know, it, it, I was, uh, I was heartened and, but, but honestly a little bit surprised by how much attention this young man's injury, um, near fatal injury, got um, because of the uniqueness of it. Um, but I do think a lot of it was just spurred on by people who were hoping for what we got, which is that the young man is going to be okay. Yeah. It was interesting because we've had these, you know, head injuries, spinal injuries, um, but there wasn't a need to resuscitate on site. And, you know, it, it just... What an effort by those people that were on site that that took action quickly and were able to um, 
get him revived and and to the hospital where um, where they where he could be cared for it, it because it obviously could have gone a very different way. So it seems to me that was the seriousness of him that he was you know he was out he was he was you know I suppose close to being gone there uh, but for the uh, the efforts made and the ability to to resuscitate him uh, on site. I, I mean I personally I I look at these you know, head injury sometimes and, you know, what happened to Tua earlier in the season multiple times. Uh, and those situations are obviously uh, very scary and people are left, um, in the case of, say, Daryl Stingley, um, with, you know, with these injuries that are oh, really permanent. debilitating, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I agree that, but it was, it obviously shook the team um, very much to the point where they, you know, they, they couldn't go out and play again. Um, no, nor nor and and the NFL absolutely made the right decision by post by postponing and then ultimately canceling that game. I just couldn't imagine because the game of football is so violent inherently to go out there with anything less than a hundred percent focus um, would have would have been downright dangerous to the to the players still out there. Yeah, um, I know it's not the same thing, but twenty five years ago, Chris Pronger took a puck to the chest right and i'm i'm sure i'm mispronouncing this but in a case of com commodio is that how you say it cordis right where that where the where there is a shock to the chest during between <laughs> between beats of the heart which can send the heart into a flutter or in the worst case scenario um uh cardiac arrest he he was hit in check chest with a puck uh, on a slap shot, he got up, skated a few steps, and, and eerily similar to yeah. Hamlin, then collapsed to the ice. The medical staff came out. They revived him immediately. They were able to get him off the ice, uh, and they continued the game. Uh, he did say that one of the, the major differences between his situation and DeMar Hamlin's situation was he never stopped breathing. But here's the the wildest thing. I, I, it's absolutely wild. He played in the next game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you, you can't tell me that hockey players aren't tough as hell. Now, whether or not that was a smart thing to do, um, I don't know. But he did say that he had been cleared by a cardiologist and team doctor and all these other people to play. There was there was not any concern about him um, uh, being in danger at that point. But I'm quite sure that if he, if he was out, they simply would have listed it as an upper body injury, right, which is what they right. do in, in hockey. Right. Um, but I just thought that was absolutely wild. Yeah. Well, it really was. It really was a, a very scary situation. I, I agree. I think the the moves, even though there's some controversy of you know over this, you know, giving the players five minutes to warm up. That's what ESPN announced um, uh, on the broadcast, or was it was it Fox? I'm I'm blanking. I think it may have been Fox. No, uh, no it was uh, it was ESPN. It was okay. Monday night. And you know, saying that the the teams and. The NFL is denying that that was the case, but obviously they're you know they're trying to figure this out. So I tend to, it's like the fog of uh, of this situation. Yeah. So they're trying to figure it out, and I, I agree ultimately uh, that they were able to get to a solution that that didn't necessarily uh, negatively impact anyone as it approached um, uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't doubt for a second that somebody may have said that to ESPN, and that's why they reported it. But this was something that right. went up to the commissioner, and right. and and I certainly don't I don't 
there was there was some criticism that the NFL was heartless. I don't think that was the case. No. I think it was just something that was so unprecedented right. that there was, you know, as you said, the fog of uh, of war, so to speak, that was going on. It took a few minutes to sort it out. Yeah. Um, Protocol is based on things that you've experienced before and then plan for, and then something different happens, and you got to make a, a decision on that. I think ultimately right. it did end up being right. So one of the things we talked about uh, late in the year last year, we talked a lot about about soccer and uh, World Cup and the U.S. men's national team, and we talked a little about the Giorena and Greg Berhalter uh, drama and man, it got a little weirder since the last time we spoke about it. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's January 10th right now. We already have a leader for the biggest understatement of the year. Right. <laughs> a little weird. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, we, you know what? I remember one of the things we said, Oh, it's just too bad that the drama got out and it got leaked out. And now the drama is just like, you know, peaked even crazier. I just, I just, it just so is striking me. You know, like the stuff that happens in uh, in I mean, it's even beneath high school sports um, where parents are threatening things uh, because their kid's not getting playing time or something like that. And just to set this up, there there was you know, Giorena wasn't playing. Greg Berhalter ultimately kind of made some comments as to why that didn't sit well. And then between the last time we spoke about this and now. Giorena's mother, it appears, had made some threat that she was going to reveal something about Greg Berhalter that happened when he was a student at University of North Carolina. Uh, and his now wife was a player at University of North Carolina on the women's team, along with Danielle Reynas, who is Gio Reynas' mother. Right. They were actually teammates and roommates and apparently right. very, very close friends. Right. And 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 Greg has been like a brother to Gio's father, Claudio, Claudio who yeah. played at University of Virginia. By the way, ACC just totally rules in <laughs> soccer. Just saying. But uh, and and then Greg Berhalter had to come out and admit that there was a a fight where he did kick his now wife, and now this is under investigation. He's basically on, I wouldn't say leave, but he's not. There is an interim coach right now coaching these teams in these matches that are coming up, and we'll see what the the fate of all of this is. But yeah, his his contract was was over on December thirty first, so it's not like he's been fired. I'd be shocked, quite honestly, if he's retained on an ongoing basis. Um, the person I feel most sorry for in this case, Greg uh, Berhalter's wife. Yeah. Now, he, 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 I I'm not condoning um, or excusing Greg Berhalter's behavior when he was in college. But um, my understanding of the situation is that he sought counseling. Um, he worked very hard to gain back the trust and respect and love of the woman. And obviously she was able to forgive him and, and, and ultimately married him, but she was dragged into this and there was absolutely no reason for that to happen. My, um, you know, my, my, my feeling is it's between those people and what he did was horrible, but, uh, but they have been married for over 25 years now. And for her to be dragged into this because of a dispute over, uh, the way her son, Danielle, uh, Raina's son was, was treated by the coach. It's just, uh, yeah. And so, and so publicly, right. Um, but that's, that was the, I guess the leverage they had. I mean, it sounds like 
you know, Burhalter decided to go ahead and, and address the situation because he knew it was uh, it was coming out because I think it was just a threat from. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and listen, she she claims that she went to Ernie Stewart, who was teammates with Burhalter and Claudio Reyna on the U.S. men's national team, who's now director of competition, I believe is his title for U.S. soccer. And what she said was, I didn't think it would ever go public. And I was only bringing it up because if Greg was going after Gio for his the way he acted during camp leading into the World Cup, you know, what he did was much worse. Um, and to me, that's a form of whataboutism, which I think is like the that's a that's even that's generous, I think, even saying that. Yeah. Uh, but I just you know, again, um, I don't even know Greg Berhalter's wife's name, but I'm I'm really sorry that she was dragged into this. Yeah, agree. And the point why this is a story um, from a business standpoint for this show is that, you know, this was a this was a big momentum year for the team. There's there's so many things have happened to for U.S. soccer, mostly good over the last several years. A lot of big advancements on the women's side, some settlements, some new deals. Um, The team, the men's team qualifies. For World Cup, we have a Women's World Cup coming up in Australia, New Zealand this year, which I'm excited about. So just a lot of overall things. And we're less focused on what we should be focused on, which is this team and our and the, the United States improving on the world stage. Uh, and is Greg Berhalter the, the right guy to lead? And irrelevant of this situation, that was going to be a discussion anyway. Some people were disappointed that lost first, you know, first round of the knockout, but the team performed pretty well. And I think they showed a, a fair amount of promise. So it's just that, you know, too much of this type of drama ends up being focused. Again, things need to be looked into. That's fine. But all of these people that are now kind of damaged just because so much of it went public. So just like we talked about the drama that leaked out into the public that shouldn't have, but should have been kept in house because it didn't matter. Now it's just amplified a hundred times with, with this stuff. So it was not a good year for us soccer between the reports that came out from the Yates Yates report and then the internal NWSL report. uh, And then this situation that ended the year with Burr Halter, um, it overshadowed to your point, um, a team that went from not making the, World Cup in 2022 to making it to the knockout stage. Yeah. That should have been the only story. I I, I agree. I'm going to I'm going to slightly disagree with you on the idea. So which of, is it? Are you no. going to agree or are you going to slightly disagree? I'm going to slightly disagree. <laughs> you said I agree with you, I, but I'm going to slightly I, disagree. Yeah. I have <laughs> okay. no problem. I have no see I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah. I am not sure your point, but I'll continue. <laughs> I think that as bad as that, all the stuff that we learn that we've talked about a lot on the women's side and the, the you know the NWSL studies and Yates report and all that stuff. To me, I felt like it was a good. This stuff's now out. We're no longer. There's no longer the continued sweeping it under. We're gonna. We're gonna address it. And I think it. I think with the with the reports that came out and 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 new things and decisions and penalties and and bans and so forth that are happening is that those things the, the, there was some positive to that because we finally are now able to get past that at least that's maybe that's a 
completely naive, uh, overly optimistic view. But to me, that's good in that regard. So they made progress on getting on on mitigating future damage. Yeah, I think that re it remains to be seen whether or not they move on from it. Like we've had this conversation before as it relates to the NWSL. And my feeling is uh, the NWSL is going <laughs> to, excuse me, is going to learn, is going to move on, and it's going to be a better league for it. Whether that same thing happens with U.S. soccer re remains to be seen. I, I, it's more of an institution, if you will. Um, and certain things are more deeply ingrained in the culture of U.S. soccer than they may be in NWSL simply by the, 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 the how long the, the league has been around as, a long, as opposed to the national governing body and things like that. My sense is you're right, um, that they will move on and they will learn from it. But I think it's going to have some implications from a commercial aspect, right, which is what, we, what we're primarily concerned with. I think um, interestingly, I have not heard any word from current sponsors. Um, we are in a bit of a, you know, a slow news period, right. Um, coming out of the holidays. And so hopefully maybe for us soccer's sake, it's, it's passed. And now they can turn their attention to the upcoming men's camp. And more importantly, the women's world cup coming, you know, going to, uh, New Zealand next, next summer, Australia, New Zealand. Well, while we are on the topic of soccer, I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge that since our last broadcast, one of the giants of sports all time has passed away. And we generally try to recognize giants of this stature, and that's Pelé, um, the Brazilian great that many people feel is the is the goat. You know, I recall when I played the when I played the sport uh, when I was young, there was only one name I knew, and that was that was Pelé. Um, and, uh, I mean, just that his name alone just says so much. And, and not only that, he was just such a great ambassador, not only for sport, but just for everything else. Uh, and just, I, I never had a chance to meet him and I always was bummed. I, I never had a chance to meet him. Uh, but just, you know, like legend. Yeah. I, I never got a chance to meet him either, but I did as a child play soccer and would go to New York Cosmos matches in Yankee Stadium and later in Giant Stadium. And you said that was the only name that you that you could come up with. Um, but the Cosmos, like, were – they had his teammate from Brazil, Carlos Alberto. They had Giorgio Canalia, who was a goal-scoring machine, was a number nine from, from Italy. Um, they had Franz Beckenbauer, who had captained the German national team in World Cups. And they had the American player, Shep Messing, um, Harvard goalie, um, and they they ran over the rest of the NASL a couple of a couple of times. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's it just uh, there's very few people who you know can live their life by one name. Just a quick aside: I was I was in Rio and I was in the airport coming home. This was about 12 years ago, and uh, and uh, I stopped in to get something for my kids and I got them a number 10 Jersey, each a number 10 Jersey. And in my mind, right, it was Pele. Um, and I brought it up to the counter and I said, Pele. And the woman looked at me, and goes, she said, no, caca. So <laughs> even in a country like Brazil, where somebody is as big a name as Pele was right. They, there were people who came after him. Um, right. But there's well, only one Pele. Right. One other quick thing before we go to um, 
predictions, uh, and it involves uh, international sport, is that uh, recently the FIA, which is the sanctioning body for all things auto sport, uh, particularly the Formula One World Championship, that is run came out, and this, it, you know, it's kind of right on top of all the things we discussed about Qatar and World Cup and uh, and Gianni Infantino and and what he was doing in terms of trying to tamp down any protests. And they they did make some new rules um, against any sort of uh, political uh, activity or statements, uh, uh, you know, at circuit and. Uh, this has not sat well with a lot of people. Um, uh, there are drivers that have been particularly active. Lewis Hamilton, um, the you know legendary um, uh, champion uh, that drives for um, the Mercedes team, uh, has been very, very active in a number of human rights causes. Sebastian Vettel, who um, had his last season uh, in 2022, uh, was very, um, very supportive of a number of causes, and they wore it. Uh, they wore it. Uh, in lineups and so forth before they got in the car and and spoke about these issues. So, you know, I think, and, and it was always seen to my standards to be, have been done fairly tastefully. But uh, I think that, um, and I don't know if it's because of, you know, markets that the series goes to, uh, there was just a push to uh, keep it down. So I, I on a personal level, um, uh, I was disappointed. Um, you know, I'm hoping to spend a fair amount of time on the, you know, on the, series this year uh taking it in and i'm going to be curious as to how it plays out and how these uh how the drivers particularly those that have been fairly active and how the the, the group of drivers which have kind of gotten behind a variety of causes um will uh, uh will take to it uh and uh, how they will implement or not implement uh, when the season starts yeah personally i think that any attempt to try to stifle freedom of expression is wrong Right. I, I don't think that having an opinion and being able to voice it is mutually exclusive from being able to perform on the track or the field or the rink or whatever it happens to be. So I do think it's a bit of an unfortunate situation. But like you said, let's see how it plays out on the track. So with that, let's take a break and we're going to come back and talk about uh, what we think is going to happen this year. All right, so we're back, um, and what we like to do at this time of the year is come up with some predictions. At the end of the year, we'll come back, we'll revisit them, we'll see who who was better at prognosticating. Um, <laughs> my first prediction is that David will be better at it than I am. Um, but David, what do you got? Well, these aren't the typical just you know say what's going to happen and win a game. I mean, I did predict that TCU is going to upset Michigan and that Georgia was going to win. So I got, I got my CFP right, but these are more what's going to happen in the sports biz and trends. So we're, we, we can use things and probably give like, we're partially right or partially wrong. So we'll, we'll see how uh, definitive some of these are. I'm going to predict that um, uh, even with all the stuff that we just talked about, that it's going to be a big, big year for NWSL in particular, but overall uh, continued growth in women's sports. Uh, I think that um, uh, particularly in the in the world of soccer, Women's World Cup is going to be very, very popular, uh, could be potentially muted from a TV standpoint in the States because of the location of the of the tournament uh, in Australia, New Zealand. 
Um, but that we're going to see more investment in teams. Patrick Mahomes just recently announced that he's joining his wife as an investor in the uh, Kansas City Current. And I think we're going to continue to see um, some uh, some more celebrities uh, jump into uh, into ownership there. Uh, and then it's actually going to you know stop the uh, the craziness that has been investing into pickleball into more logical pursuits. So that's my Couldn't first. Get- couldn't get through the episode. Couldn't do it. I have so much more pickleball material I could be going and and you know but do it on you, your other podcast. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's yours? First one. Uh, my first prediction is that in the case of Johnson versus the NCAA, the court will rule that uh, student athletes are in fact employees of their respective universities, which will have major implications. For college athletics major much that, more so than nil that's a good one to take on okay you can't waffle on that that's going to be one way or another right next the commanders will get a record sale don't think it's going to be set seven billion but it's going to be just under so snyder has overseen his last game as the owner of the washington commanders hmm. um but uh, it uh, it it. I mean, the numbers. The num. Obviously, the number is going to be very very big. And keep in mind that the Phoenix Suns just and I don't think it's been finalized yet, but just got around four, which for an NBA team just honestly just blows me away. The, the NFL, obviously, being the the strongest American based uh, league um, and a market that I think traditionally has been strong, despite some bad years here in terms of overall revenue and and engagement, I guess. Um, they, they have a lot of upside to take with a new owner. So the number, the number will be a record. The question is what it'll be. Yep. And you're right. Um, the Suns and Mercury did sell for $4 billion and Robert Sarver actually paid $401 million when he bought the franchise. Not bad. Um, not a bad, not a not shabby. Yeah. Not too bad for a racist. Not shabby for a guy that has created a completely toxic work environment. Yeah. Exactly. Good, good business to be in. Yeah. So my my second my second prediction is combining two into one under the umbrella of media deals. My first half of that is that the Pac-12 will re-up uh, a deal with ESPN, who, as you remember, lost the Big Ten in the most recent uh, renegotiation. And the second half of that is Live Golf um, will not will not get a major media rights deal done this year i'll tell you what will be a fun uh, interesting thing to follow is whether we're even talk about um live golf as much as we did this past year i imagine we'll talk about it uh, a fair amount um given that the players will be playing in augusta at the masters mm-hmm. good one we know that there are some talks about them basically handling production but that I, I mean i think they'll be somewhere but i don't think they're going to get paid right is that the prediction yeah yeah right. i mean i mean a significant rights fee that's you know, that's commensurate with anything close to what the PGA tour is getting or any of the other organizations. Okay. Here's uh, my next one is that at least one other U S operated sport league will open themselves up to sovereign wealth fund ownership, meaning kind of country backed funds. The NBA announced that um, they would allow it for limited partnerships, I think uh, up to 20%. And given that there are only so many single 
billionaires to to buy these teams, uh, I think there is going to be uh, be more interest. I think NBA is the right property in a way um, because of its global appeal, more so than say baseball or or hockey or even the NFL. But because the properties are so important to the uh, American audiences, I think you'll have a lot of interest from uh, various Middle Eastern interests and and possibly beyond that. Agreed. I like that prediction. My my last prediction is that Tom Brady is going to play another year in the NFL next year. Well, that make him 46 years old? Yeah. Uh, my prediction is this, that even if he doesn't, he's not going to be in the booth, certainly not as the lead analyst. So I'm going to just – I'm piggybacked a little on your – Okay. All right. So All right. you're, you're – you're, you're you're waffling on whether or not he'll play, but you're adamant that even if he doesn't play, he's not going to be the lead guy in the booth, despite signing a contract with Fox Sports. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was that was a ridiculous contract for everybody. Um, I yeah, I don't know because I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm not ready to make that prediction. That's yeah. That's all. Yeah. Just being honest. Being honest. Well, listen, we'll we'll know by July, right? When camp opens, whether or not I'm right or wrong. We won't have to wait till next December for that. Right. Um, so with that, I think we've got a good foundation for the rest of the year. Yeah, I need to make a couple uh, uh, quick points. I do want to make a, okay. I do want to give a shout out to our 500th LinkedIn follower. Our page on LinkedIn is nice. an old friend and colleague from my McDonald's days, Deborah Quigg. Thank you for joining. It just kind of stood out. I saw that I, I saw that we had crossed the 500th and was able to tell that that she was the one. So thank you, thanks, Deborah. Deborah. Um, we also should uh, talk about next week's show. We are going to do a special episode dedicated uh, to the uh, education, the sports business on the education side. So we're going to be joined uh, by three uh, wonderful guests uh, that lead programs at uh, at top universities that have uh, have focused on uh, on the education on the on the education side of the sports business. So I think it's going to be a really great show. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. Um, this is the point in the show. If we were a TV show, we would show highlights for the upcoming season. But since we're a podcast, we we're not able to do that. But but we've already booked some amazing guests. You mentioned uh, people we'll have from the world of academia next week, but we're going to be launching the week after that a new series this year uh, focusing on young entrepreneurs. Um, we've got some legends that are coming up in the coming weeks and months, and we'll continue to have um, industry titans from across the sports business. So until next week, thank you, listeners. Um, please share, please follow, please comment. We do what we do because, um, because we get great feedback from, from people like you who listen to us and, and share your thoughts. So until next week, he's DP, I'm McGee, and we're out. Yeah.